found your way into the state of being. Um, my name is Tilly and I am one of 300 young people who make up Chicken Sheds Youth Theatre and this is a pilot edition of a new podcast we are hoping to continue to make for now and maybe beyond. So this all came out of conversation about what are we all missing? We're missing a way to connect, a safe space to be and explore and more than anything else, just a chance to really be with others. Others meaning the all, the everyone who are part of our worlds at Chicken Shed. This is our state of being and now this has come along and chucks everything up in the air and with that all of our thoughts and hopes and fears and knowings have been chucked up too and the place we want them all to land is somewhere safe and with our others. So this is for us and for you, whoever you are. Among the hundreds of things that this is teaching us, we're realising that we can be made up of whoever we want to share the space with and whoever wants to be part of this state of being. So, welcome. Today, we'll have a chance to eavesdrop in on some of the chicken shed conversations that have broken through our lockdown walls. We'll have an item which explores one of the many big questions which are jumping out and biting us on our nose at the moment. And finally, we'll hear how isolation is affecting different generations in the same household in our Mind the Gap interview. In between all of this, we have sprinkled in some creative interludes of chicken sheds magic just to keep us all going. Oh, and Youth It's Director Robin does pop up, but briefly. But first up, we hear about this week's happenings in the lives of some of our youth theatre. This week, this week, all this week. This week, for the first time ever, I tried to remake the Wagamama chicken katsu curry. I got inspired by my mum to make a bullet journal. I started going running with my dad. I tried meditation. Not really sure I'll keep going with that one, but we'll see. For the first time, I played swing ball. Played in the TikTok talent at football. I let my dog sleep on my bed the whole night. I got out of bed at 1pm and I'm not mad at it. I learnt the BSL to a whole song. I ran 5k with my sister, which is very out of character for us, but we did it and we didn't stop. I learnt to crochet. I made a katsu curry. I ran 5k. This week, the thing I don't understand is how the coronavirus got into the world. How people are still getting ill despite only going out for essential items. Just the continuation from some people to like meet their friends and family despite the world crisis that's occurring right now. How long I have to stay at home? That's why people didn't just stay inside. Why it takes a global pandemic for people to show such compassion and kindness. Why my cats? needs so much attention. The thing I don't understand is about time. The fact that even though we are at home all day, every day, I am finding it impossible to fit everything I need to do in. Like, I feel like I'm running out of time. How the days seem to disappear. How things feel like they're going really, really quickly, but also really slowly at the same time. It just doesn't make any sense. Why some of my teachers keep setting a lot more work than I would be set if I was actually in school. But I do quite enjoy having lessons in my bed. The thing I miss the most is the normality of daily life and my friends and family who I cannot see. 
probably not being stuck to my phone 24 seven. Um, I miss the time away from my phone, but in this situation, I'm always on it. Seeing my nanny. Socializing with my friends. I miss my friends. Hugs from my friends. Being in school with my friends. Seeing my friends face to face and not just on a screen where I always lose connection. I want to be able to go places with them and not just be cooped up in my house. The thing I miss most is hugging my friends and going out with them. This week, the thing I miss the most is the thing I miss the most every week, which is my two best friends. I cannot wait to go back up and see them and spend whatever sort of summer we have together. I think the day that I get to go and see them again will be the best day. I can't wait. But yeah, that's the thing I miss the most. My independence in my flat. This week, the thing I miss most is talking about the weekend's football with my friends on the way to school on a bus. Being able to go out and have an iced coffee because they don't taste as good when you make them at home and just really fancy going to Costa or Starbucks and being able to buy one. This week, the thing I miss the most is playing football and watching live football. This week, the thing I miss most is being in the field with my teammates. This week, I laughed the most at Jenny and Lee on Goggle Walks because they're just hilarious. They crack me up. We're obviously all going a little bit stir-crazy because it's resulting in people, especially my dad, saying some really ridiculous and funny things. I laugh the most at um, <laughs> me, me being able to burn water. Watching friends when Zoe says, how are you doing? This week I laughed most at my sister trying to make me smile. Um, Reenacting my dad tripping and falling over when we were on a run and it wasn't funny at the time but now it is really, really hilarious thinking back to it. I laughed the most at a picture my sister took of me napping in the garden. This week I laughed about yay for cats on TikTok. This week I laughed the most at my brother and sister. I went to Sainsbury's with my mum and we were in there and there was an advert on the intercom and it ended with help us to feed the nation. And I looked at my mum confused and I was like, what? They want us to defeat the nation? And she was like, no, to feed the nation. I was like, oh! That makes sense. This week, my top tip would be not to be too hard on yourself. Reflect on how you're feeling and trust that it will pass. To let your emotions be. Stop trying to bottle them all up because you're feeling them for a reason, so let them all out. I guess my top tip would kind of just be to like embrace this time we've been given. <laughs> that sounds so optimistic, but like just to better yourself whichever way you feel best kind of suits you. Keep thinking positive. Stay true to who you are and keep loving and living your life. Keeping a regular routine. Keep smiling and be kind to yourself and others. To read a book, maybe read a book that is out of your comfort zone, you know? To take time for yourself. You're spending the whole time with your family and let's face it, they can get a bit annoying. Take some alone time just for you. To actually structure what you're going to do with your day because otherwise you blink and it's already four o'clock and the day is finished and you haven't done anything. 
to do different things in different parts of your house so you're not stuck looking at the same wall all day every day. Work hard and do good work and do your best. To stay inside and stay safe and as calm as possible. This week my top tip is stay safe. Keep yourself focused on one thing and forget about this crazy pandemic that's going on. So one of the things that people were saying that they were missing the most were like the random conversations that would happen when a group of really different types of people would get together. Um, and this isn't necessarily the structured activity conversations that might happen in the sessions or stuff like that, but more of the ones where we'd be waiting to sign in or in the cafe or in the dressing rooms. So here is a chance to listen in to some of those chicken shed conversations. Hi, my name is Louis. I've been at Chicken Shed for about, um, I want to say, seven years. When did you join? When I was half my age. <laughs> How old are um, you now? 14. My name's Tilly. I'm 18. Mm -hmm. And I've yeah. been at Chicken Shed for as long as I can remember. So, it's very long time. Home. Second home. <laughs> yeah. First memory of chicken sheds. Yeah. I think it was uh, Saturday, Saturday, Saturday shed. Saturday. You started yeah. doing Saturday sheds? Yeah. Oh my goodness. So you, so how, how long were you going to Saturday shed before you started actually? You're actually going shed. I don't know. I was very, I was like probably the, like, the youngest in there. So did you join with your sister as well? Uh, no, I joined first and then my sister joined after. How did you find out about Chicken Shed? Um, my dad used to like drive people here before and he always thought it would be a good place for me and my sister to go. Were you naughty before, Louis? No. I was just, no, there's there's difference between naughty and like childish stuff. Do you think Chicken Shed has changed you? Um, it's given me more confidence, Not definitely. More confidence? Yes, 100%. Were you, did you, were you, were you quite shy? Yeah, it was. Yeah, that all like that has happened to so many people, and I think yeah. that, like I would always say I'm quite an extrovert, so mm -hmm. I'm like loud and in your face. But <laughs> I don't think with like I think without chicken shed I wouldn't have been like that at all. Yeah. If I was in your class at school, yeah, do you think we'd be friends? Honestly. 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 Maybe. That's not an honest answer. <laughs> yeah. No, because it's 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 very different because I wouldn't be like mean to you for no reason, but we'd like but our paths would not cross. Oh no, they maybe. They would not cross. I think they would. I do not think that they would start at chicken shed. You're yes. Forced, you're forced to talk to me. Yeah. I'd I'd only have like nah. A very small friendship group, but when I started joining Shed, I used to I, I branched out more. So working with kids mm. and with like CT, being in CT one sessions, how do you think that's changed? Like the way, do you think that's helped yeah. your confidence because you've had to take like yeah the responsibility? Yeah, it has because like it's not only you that you're like focusing on mm. at the same time. It's someone, it's a group or someone, some people, people, other people that are younger than you. I know you don't like to sing. No, I can't sing. No, it's not that you can't sing. No, it's all. Don't, <laughs> yeah. 
dancing when we're <laughs> time. You yeah. don't do No, but that's that counts because I'm still putting effort into it. Cause no, but if I started singing, if I started singing, I don't think it would be as good as it possibly could be. So I'm taking myself away from the situation to make it. So you think your voice is gonna make it go from like whatever an eight out of ten to like a three out of ten? Exactly. I'm Jodie and I've been at Chicken Shed for I think about seven years and I'm now 18 which is crazy. Um, I'm Carmel. Uh, I've been at Chicken Shed for coming up to 10 years. I'm David. I've been at Chicken Shed for about six, seven years or so. I was 11 so I actually remember my first session. Like I don't remember what we did in it but I remember that I wore a pink tracksuit like a matching um, top and bottoms, and I remember going on someone's shoulders. I can probably remember at least one memory that I did, which was Peter Pan, and because I was a pirate, there was so much screaming, I had to cover my ears because it was too loud, I couldn't bear it. I remember I would come into CC sessions just like dressed up, and this one time I came dressed up in this like pink fluffy leotard, and I must have looked ridiculous, but I was six and I didn't know any better. Someone like elbowed me in the nose by accident and then I had a nosebleed and the whole rest of the show I was like trying not to like tip my head forward and I didn't really go off stage so the whole show I was like with like tilting my head up to stop it going everywhere. I didn't laugh at all I was sitting there quietly like a good little child. Like when I started Chicken Shed it was like such a different thing to me than it is now like when I started, I was like, oh, it's fun. I'm going to perform. Like that's what I thought about Same. it was now. Now, like that's not even what I think about when I think of Chicken Shed. Like I don't think about Same. performing. I also think like at school, you're kind of expected to like listen to what you're told and like accept it and just get on with it. Whereas I feel like at Chicken Shed, it's kind of like you're encouraged to question what you're doing and say like, why are we doing this? What's the purpose of it? What's our aim? David, what do you, what's your biggest difference between school and shed? Well, from my point of view is that one place you're safe, one place you're not. Because like you, you said, can? at school you're not able to like express what you want, but you said you are because they let you like express what you want. And also like school really does cater to like one type of person, like one type of learning. But like, yeah. obviously in Chicken Shed, it's like, it's just not like that. Like, mm. you can step into that room and like, come out thinking like a completely different way. Mm. There's, a, there's a bigger variety of like learning in Chicken Shed, whereas at school it's just one. Yeah. yeah. At school, when they judge you on culture, they can judge you easily. But at Chicken Shed, people like take it seriously. But at school they don't. Yeah. The I also say that they take like discrimination seriously, but they actually don't. But Chicken Shed, they actually do. They say they do, and they actually do. And also at Chicken Shed, we address it. We don't just say like yeah. we shouldn't be doing that. We actually address the issues, and I think that's so important because it's all very well like telling people to follow rules and telling people that they should do certain stuff. But without actually addressing it and addressing like young people's concerns about it and their opinions. I don't think you're going to, like, you can't change people's mindsets and attitudes. 
Oh, hi. <laughs> You've got all big now, I can see you big. <laughs> um, I'm Ella Carey and I've been at Chicken Shed for my whole life. So um, I've kind of grown up with it and it's been a very um, interesting but also very important part of my life because I don't really know without it. <laughs> um, hi, I'm Rosanna and I have also been going to Chicken Shed for around my whole life. I would go to the tail show all the time. My mum would take me with my sisters and I used to remember, like, I used to love them but I would always be like scared of the puppets. So I would go up to them and they'd be like, no. And But I still remember some of the songs. Like it was like a really big part of my childhood. I used to love going to Tails. Yeah. And I remember once then I was, I think I must have been a bit older and I was part of the Tails team. And I bought these acrylic nails from Primark because I loved them and I stuck them on and I got stuck in a puppet. So the, the, the nail was, the puppet was jagged from the nail because it was stuck with the glue. And I was trying to do it on the show and it was awful. I've never been more embarrassed. It was my first performance and I had a puppet hanging from my hand, stuck with the <laughs> nail. And I, that was fun. I could list you forever moments that I've actually wanted to, like my, my stomach has hurted from laughing so much. Oh my God, um, same. The, the funniest times happen like backstage like you we make these amazing performances yeah. and on stage they look unreal but it's the experiences you have behind the closed doors yeah that's hilarious and the new people you meet oh yeah even like though i've been there so long you meet people every single show and you've just like formed these relationships and what's nice is that it's not people from the same year or the same background yeah you talk to anyone and you don't feel like you can't because sometimes you go in certain in different environments and you feel like you can't interact with certain people because they're older or they're another gender or whatever. But here you kind of can talk to anyone and you can have those really funny memories but funny experiences with people who you wouldn't necessarily have it outside that building. That's what I think one of the biggest differences between school and chicken shed is the, the it's the same people as in you because London is a very diverse city. Yeah, so very. Same people as in people from different backgrounds different countries people who've migrated in you have that but you don't have the same acceptance levels which is what chicken shed is growing up in chicken shed it's just allowed me to see that person for who they are yeah um my name is ellie i've been at chicken shed for as long as i can remember i, re I feel like chicken shed's been like most of my life that wasn't school and i kind of referred it to school anyway so uh, i'm maya i've been at chicken shed like 10 or 11 years it's the only place where you would have to make friends that wasn't school mm -hmm. and i feel like at school your friends are pretty constant like yeah. every year you stick with the same people but chicken mm -hmm. shed every term your group changes i remember like yeah. being like i'm actually gonna have to go in and make friends like yeah i think it's the only space where I don't feel like stared at or there's something wrong with me if I can use that term for the mm -hmm. um I think everywhere else I seem to get stared at and as soon as you go into chicken shed it's like a space where you know that everyone is different and instead of like pointing out the differences you just kind of celebrate it instead so and I think growing up in an environment like that like kind of helped me to accept myself or see myself in a different light because if I didn't go to chicken shed I bet my view on like disability as a whole not just my own disability would be quite different. I feel so lucky that my education was not just school because when I have conversations with 
people who I know and who I am friends with from school about like my view on not even just disability just about difference I just feel like my view on it is so much more open and so much able to accept that I think that I can train my brain into like working down the pathways to get to the acceptance because I do think that everyone everyone no matter if you've been involved in inclusion or not has like subconscious biases that do exist Mm -hmm. and you can't get rid of them but I just think that from being at Chicken Shed you have an ability to to encourage yourself to challenge them a bit more even though it shouldn't be an issue when I've made friends in the past like they've been honest with me and said like oh like I was a bit like skeptical and worried to be your friend because they don't know how to handle yeah disability they don't know how I feel about it or how I move or how I or how to speak about it or how to ask yeah 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 Yeah, exactly so I just think people find inclusion really hard because I think it's something that like scares a lot of people they don't really know how to handle the situation or they feel like they're going to say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing I think that there's so many more barriers outside chicken shed that like exactly like you're saying like it's not even like there's a reason for them to exist it's like they've written somewhere that people have yeah. to sign. Like, there's no reason for them. They just, mm. they just exist because people feel like they have to. I'm Leah, I'm 16, and I've been at Chicken Shed for three years, and I wanted to sing this song because it reminds me of summer and being happy.
discussing this podcast one of us had said chicken shed is about big topics it has big opinions it has the power to say big things that can let me see things through a different point of view so from this we wanted to make a space where some of our thoughts about what is going on today can be shared so this week's big question is what might we consider a post-pandemic world to look like hmm big 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 questions big 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 questions who wants to start okay i'll start um hopefully a post pandemic world will it might be a bit more money within the nhs you know the government will hopefully see how great they are and how much they hold up this country before this like crisis we don't really call them like our key, like our key workers, because it isn't reflected in their pay or anything. It's just, it's fairly average. These people who are on, say, the average kind of pay are the ones that are actually now the key workers and they're the ones that are keeping our country running. And without them, we wouldn't actually be able to get through this crisis. So I hope after, after the pandemic, these the key workers should probably like get a pay rise or get some more respect within society than they do. But I'm not, I'm not sure how like realistic it is to think Wig, they're definitely these people are definitely going to get that pay rise because I think if we look at the way in which kind of wealth is concentrated around society, it's it's generally the people that are able to control wealth that are the ones that have those bonuses and those pay rises and that sort of thing. I suppose because the NHS is so publicly funded, any pay rise is going to have to come out of public money, and it's how much are people going to be receptive to tax um, hikes and things like that in order for doctors to get pay rises and things like that or would people rather say okay we're just going to clap but i'm not going to pay any more tax our tax bills next year will be massive and the reality is is will we increase it any more to support nhs i don't think the government's going to do that should they of course they should well i think they should but will they they probably won't because it'd be high enough so to speak i think sometimes i feel quite optimistic like maybe out of this there'll be kind of genuine change and sometimes I feel really pessimistic like out of this there's going to be kind of complete crisis because I think you know you're talking about ordinary people and for a lot of people financially this is like terrible you know and it's about whether the, the, the way that we then handle this when we come out is it that people are we're going to kind of stick to the same system in which case i think people will just be poorer than ever or is it going to be like there's going to be actual kind of social change and the way that we kind of help each other changes i don't know so i feel like it could 
on one hand be really bad and on one hand be really good. Even if it's a change in attitudes, I do think that will occur because the big thing that's come out of this crisis is say like selflessness. So like how much we're all supporting the community and helping other people. So I think the last big crisis that like hit our like uh, our society was like World War Two, nearly as big as this. It's had the biggest impact. And after that, attitudes massively changed. There was a lot of like revolutionary ideas and things changed over the course of the 20th century that kind of dropped off. Then values were lost again. And I think this pandemic has reinstalled them back into our society. And then after, I feel like in a while, they will start to drop off again. I feel like we always need something to remind us of these like core values. I think um, to help different charities more and more helping poor people. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that you'd hope that what's come from this in the way that everyone feels more together and people are helping people who've never helped like each other before, or, like got in contact and like what's been happening on, online when like you see things that you'd never normally see, like with the clapping and um, people giving stuff out, like you'd hope that that to an extent, like that will continue, like Tom said, but I don't know, that's, I don't know. I feel like some parts of it will, but a lot of it like will just fizzle out. I think as much as it would be so, so nice to think, yeah, everyone's going to come together and they're going to have this unity. I think we do also have to think about the disparities um, between groups of people that are going to be created after this in terms of how has the pandemic split people. You've got a lot going on online of kind of um, people from older generations saying, oh, the young people are going out and mixing and doing all these things, which although it's true to an extent how much of that is based in stereotype, how much of that is based in kind of prejudice and those sorts of things. And it's how is that going to be targeted at other communities and how is that going to be targeted at different people uh, in order to kind of split the way that people acted towards the pandemic? I think if you think of like internationally, when this pandemic started, there was obviously a lot of kind of issues to do with racism and that kind of fear of otherness. I wonder if this will then afterwards, if that will then be heightened and that kind of sense of globally being together, is that going to change because of this as well? I'm also about people who have a disability as well as mental health because of the lockdown it might be very stressful for them and we just need to help them remind themselves to keep being positive and just keep themselves busy. Something which I think is really weird, like someone I know really well uh, has been diagnosed with depression at such time like this. And it's really hard because at the time you don't really have the physical presence to speak to people in wards and stuff like that. However, her depression wasn't caused by the coronavirus. Her depression had been there before. The coronavirus actually gave her time to step away from life, like realise what was going on in her mind what she'd been distracting herself from and because she could do that in a time where she had time and she could control it a bit more it meant that it was actually done quite nicely so I think to an extent it's harsh if you're hit with all this diagnosis and loneliness now because there's a lack of support the NHS is distracted so they can't really help you however it does give you the time to be in control of it a bit more so there are pros and cons to it and to an extent it's allowing you to get inside your own body and find your own company a bit more. I suppose it's made it's made everyone just stop for a while and just kind of take take it in and everyone slow down and the effect that that's had on the environment is incredible but when we do get back to everyday life air pollution is probably going to go straight back up again 
And it's a how do we keep the world nice and clean for a little bit longer? I definitely agree with Anna. Like, I think it's really brought to light how quickly the issue that we have of like pollution and the environment can be reversed. It's given people an opportunity to see how we can change and how we can fix the environment without like we have a mean to show people but it's really worked like when you just see the pictures of like in the uh the canals in uh is it venice yeah in venice uh, yeah when you see the canals yeah and you see like so they had dolphins in it at one point they saw like dolphins or something i was like that's crazy like you would never see that but then will we maintain that or will there be more strict restrictions after of how to maintain this upward like thing for the environment to keep it going well i think i think we should question though um how much kind of the virus is being greenwashed to an extent like how much of that is really like there is less stuff in there or i read an article that maybe that was just to do with like there were fewer boats so kind of the sediment was being pushed around less so it was appearing cleaner but actually it wasn't cleaner and i just think climate change isn't something that can be reversed within three six months however long this is going to go on for the way that we're living now it isn't really a sustainable way of living is this something that we as humans do you think would be willing to kind of go through to save the environment or do we have to go completely back in the other direction or what is the compromise there between what we're doing now and what we what we were doing before corona um that kind of finds that balance i don't think it's a sustainable way of living but i think you just hope that people have like even if it's just a small thing like you make a couple less like journeys like in like a car or, or whatever and you like walk or like ride your bike like just something small like that like could like if everyone were to do it would make a difference what i think is after this crisis as much as i'd hope that we would strive to like to be like a carbon neutral and green i think after this crisis we won't actually have much we obviously the economy is not going to be in a good shape so are they really going to be ready to make the investments into the environment at that time straight after even though we've seen the success of what it can do i don't think they're going to be able to make that investment also it probably wouldn't be the number one priority at that point i think with like all of these things like if you're actually going to have change it has to be quite radical and like obviously people can make changes in their own personal lives and i think that's really important but it has to come from the government it has to come from somewhere larger at the moment you have people that maybe wouldn't normally need money from the government suddenly needing it and like it's changed maybe our view of um support and whether that then changes like we kind of maybe go more towards a kind of socialist economy let's say versus like kind of the capitalist one i feel like that would be a route where maybe things could get better but i feel like knowing the world we live in it kind of feels like they're going to just try and go back to capitalism and it will just cause more issues in like all of those areas before this crisis we took so many things for granted we took going to school for granted because loads of people in other countries aren't like fortunate enough to get we took seeing our friends for granted took seeing our family we would like obviously we're still going to carry we complained about doing some of them things obviously we're going to carry on complaining but like are we going to stop taking like a lot of things for granted like, are we going to now like make a bit more of an effort and be like because at the back of our mind now we will have in our mind like this could be the last time I see them for a long time if something like that was happening again. I do think that something like this, it makes us feel, be more grateful. A lot of the things which used to class as necessities, in all fairness, a lot of it is not luxury. In a position that we are in now in lockdown, I would agree with you lot, we are missing necessities. The necessity of uh, a full, like, supportive environment where you can leave your home and go to a more supportive place. Like if you said, I think that's a necessity. 
But I think other things that we took for granted that we think, oh, that's a necessity. We can't live like the way we're living. Actually, I think we could. I personally think that this lifestyle, given that the support needs of those who are having physical and like mental struggles at the moment, some with physical abuse in their household, some otherwise, and also that the people who are on the front line, those key workers are given that break. Um, given that those issues were sorted out, for people who are literally staying in a home, trying to enjoy that environment, trying to maneuver, cool, there's no progress, but there is a level of survivalism and we can survive and enjoy life like this. And I feel like there's a point of a lot of people waiting until we get to the other side rather than living where we are now. Having more funding for different charities is also very important as well. I think one of the things we've noticed is that there are lots of sort of amazing organisations out there doing stuff while we're in isolation to kind of support people. But there's also a lot of issues where we know a lot of places that don't have funding or charities that are really going to suffer from this and that kind of that thing of support, I just think there are so many things that after this are essential, but that aren't going to survive out of this. The government gave, they announced a couple of days ago, 750 million to the charities. But what I found interesting was that it came so long after they'd given money to small businesses and the charities actually, and the big businesses, charities are helping fight the virus right now. They're helping keep society running. So why didn't they get the funding earlier? also the government's always looking for the support more institutions that they can use to help like support society in the welfare state they should after this crisis give more government funding to charities as they're already an established industry to support people why not utilize it and i think this whole process will take people's conception idea of money money is to do how many resources in the world coronavirus hasn't decreased the amount of resources what it has decreased though is the flow of where the resources get shared to if you think about the physical paper in your hand it's representative of a quantity and what's happened at the moment is the government's spending 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 people like my parents are not earning but that that resource is still there companies at the moment in banks uh food industries um medical equipment providers and in other countries private medical providers are collating this money and they are making money from this so what the coronavirus has done is actually affected the circulation but it hasn't taken away any money from the system and what it's going to allow us to do in a circumstance like this is thinking about right how can that happen why is why have we allowed money why have we created money in a concept where this is possible to happen and this is not ideological so to speak but more conceptual basic principles we need to take that idea of money and turn it into control and power and natural resources rather than leaving it at the moment to be hoarded by these big companies because that's what's happening and some people are profiting from this virus it's horrible i think one of the things about this kind of crisis is that it's highlighted inequalities it's highlighted um sort of a lot of issues it's exposed a lot of things it hasn't obviously it's created issues but actually more so than creating them it's just shown us because actually the people that are suffering the most out of this are the most vulnerable people and um, you know, it, it's exposed our attitudes towards like the elderly and the vulnerable because originally everyone was going, oh, what does it matter if like we're all going to be fine? Like, I think that there's a lot of different things that this brings to light when you're, you know, we're talking about issues like people in homes where there's domestic violence, you know, suddenly I'm seeing all these things online about people in those situations. So in a way, it's about 
um, bringing these inequalities and issues out so that they can actually be addressed because they existed way before any of this even happened. Do you think they'll carry on with our relationships, like our families and the people that we're closest to right now? Do you think we're going to carry on being that close? Because obviously we're forced to right now, but it's working for me anyway. I'm in a Greek family household. That means there's seven of us in this house. It gets manic. I'm aware that two people on the other side of that door to this conversation is probably getting listened to like mad because they've got nothing better to do. Privacy does not exist anymore. Um, people are in this, they're lovely, don't get me wrong. I'm very lucky for that, but everything's just gone. With this family Zoom calls, there's no longer taking the mick out of your auntie because they're in the same call out of you. So all that kind of like fun you used to have with like, I don't know, just talking to people one-on-one -on -one and being honest and like vulnerable can't no longer happen because everyone's around the house and everyone's listening. Like obviously it's so lovely that everyone is so connected but I also feel like there's something quite overwhelming or like oversaturating like I don't know sometimes your like technology can both be this like really amazing thing but also this really scary thing because for me like these family zoom sessions are like they're fun but sometimes it's like too much and there are like too many people and it's not like a normal conversation like normally if you were at an event you know you talk to one other person and then you switch and there's something um really different about the way we use technology and i don't want it to be that suddenly technology replaces like human contact because i just think there is such a difference for me this has highlighted like how much i need to like see people and not like i don't know texting all of these things it's great we have it but it's just doesn't match up to like actually giving someone a hug. Hi, I'm Will Howe, I'm 18 and I've been a part of Chicken Show since 2013 and I've loved every moment. For this podcast, I chose to sing the Bill Withers song Ain't No Sunshine to honour the late legend who sadly recently passed in these weird times. I hope you guys are all staying well and I hope you all enjoy the song. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone He's now home when she's away Ain't no sunshine when she's gone And she's always gone too long Anytime she goes away Wonder this time where she's gone Wonder if she's gone to stay Ain't no sunshine when she's gone just ain't no home Anytime she goes away I know, 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 I know Sunshine when she's gone, and this 
house just ain't no walk anytime she goes away anytime she goes away anytime she goes away We thought it would be really interesting to see how the different generations isolated under one roof were getting on. Um, what are the different types of experiences and is there an understanding between that gap? So here, Kobe and his mum Philippa talk to us about how it is for each of them. Mind the gap. Um, so my time in isolation, I think initially um, I was shocked um, and perhaps a little bit frightened, upset at what was going on in schools uh, for the children, particularly the year 11, year 13 children, students. And then um, I think there came a very quick acceptance of the situation, of what was going on and of being at home and being shut down or locked down. And then feeling okay about that. Actually adjusting very quickly to the slower pace of life, to the no timetable as such, and to walking and to family life. It's a big change. Uh, I think my mum has found it not too bad, probably, because I don't think she really misses work. I think me and Marnie are her children. So in theory, we should be like her favourite people and she just gets to, like she has to spend loads of time with us and we have to spend loads of time with her so I think she's all right I don't think she minds it too much I think she's quite happy I think Kobe has initially was shocked and they were like school's out school's out what's going on what's going on adapted really quickly to remote home learning um, in a really organised way but I think he is frustrated. I think he feels hemmed in. I think he is bored, but also has come to a understanding that this is the way it is and an acceptance of this is the way it is. And this is life and this is what everyone is having to do. And he's okay with that too. I think. Um, I think probably challenging is the first word that comes to mind because I've spent a lot of it doing schoolwork and there's sort of like, because in school there's more motivation, you're like in a workspace, uh, you sort of have to do the work. At home you sort of have so many distractions, you can sort of like go watch TV, go on your phone, like no one's stopping you. So I think with all my schoolwork, that's been challenging. It's also just the thought of being like just stuck in one place. Kobe has missed most Liverpool Football Club winning the league, which he was absolutely obsessed about, and playing football and chicken shed. Those are things Kobe's missed most of all. Chicken shed, the sessions, his community at chicken shed, uh, drama, his school friends, his other friends, all that social connection, his release, um, his activities. That's Kobe thing I've missed most is obviously my friends and going out and seeing people but also like 
just like the structure and routine I had before because on a weekly basis before this lockdown I sort of knew what would be happening like I go to school I come home I have football or chicken shed but now I've sort of lost that structure because all I can do is stay inside I've just missed a sort of routine um, as well as that it's sort of just I've missed not only seeing my friends but also just small things like after school I used to take public home with friends and we used to go to the shops and buy chocolate or something it's just little things like that that you don't really appreciate but now when we can't do it anymore you realize like how much sort of fun they are and how much you should appreciate them so it's just small things like that I've missed as well I think my mum has missed the most going out to restaurants getting her hair cut getting like her nails done because I don't think she'd miss work that much I think she'd miss seeing friends and also probably seeing my grandma because obviously we can't see her. If we ever want to see her, we have to sort of socially distance. Not seeing my grandma, she probably misses a lot. I have most missed the freedom of popping out, doing what I want to do when I can do it, knowing that I'm going to pop over here or do this without thinking. Um, I've most missed loved ones, particularly family and friends and that face-to-face -face connection. I've really, really missed that, and I continue to really miss that. Spirit, creativity, um, yeah, connection. I don't think I can compare this to any other time in my life because I don't think there ever has been or ever will be a time which I've lived in where we're forced to stay in one place, where we, we're not allowed to leave, no one's allowed to leave, although, the sort of like feelings you feel of being like restrained or trapped I probably have felt in my life before for example like when you're in a test or an exam it's sort of just a feeling of like you can't go anywhere you have to do this one thing and although it's different it's sort of similar in the sense that you're being like trapped in a room or a space that you're not allowed to leave it's just the feeling of being trapped that makes like, everything worse than it already was or already is. Can I compare this to another time in my life? The only thing I can compare it to is perhaps growing up all those years ago on a Sunday when the pace was much slower perhaps on a Sunday. I don't remember all the shops being open on a Sunday and it was much more of a family time than it is now on a Sunday and it is reminding me of a very very long Sunday. In a strange way perhaps of a bereavement when a bereavement happens and that loss, um, in my religion, certainly you don't go out for a week, you're mourning. But even then you would have communication and people visit you and, and share and support you. Now, I think this might be one of its own. Uh, the positives of this time are probably, we're never going to have this much free time again, like ever in our life. So it's the sort of thing you can, on the flip side of it, use as a positive to learn new skills or get fit or like learn how to play an instrument or learn how to speak a language, which I haven't really done, to be fair. But I probably should do, but I think that is a positive people can take from it. The positives of this time are family time. I think that's the big positive. Having no escape and therefore spending time with family, 
going for walks with family, having chats, playing games that you don't normally in your everyday life have time to do. But suddenly we all have so much time on our hands that these connections are being made, listening more than you perhaps would before because you have more time to do so. And also seeing what the world is doing and how it's connecting, how people are getting on the back of so many you know, the food banks and the food catering for the NHS and the support and the communities I'm actually looking at, as I'm talking to you, looking out on my road, thinking up to three weeks ago, I didn't know many people that lived on my road at all. We have this massive community hub going on in my roads uh, via the internet, via WhatsApp. Who wants this? How can we help? Does anybody need any food? Who's vulnerable in the road? Who are the NHS workers? That whole sense of community has been developed here so that can be a positive no i do have one more positive actually that i've thought about is the internet and social media always being told or thinking and believing your kids are always on the phone it's social media non-stop it's the devil it's creating x y and z actually having a whole new take on social media and the internet because what it's done for us during this period, it's connecting people. It's, it's making sure that we can carry on teaching, we can carry on being creative. There is so much we need to be thankful for the internet at the moment. I think immediately after, people still be wary of the virus because if everyone goes out at once, it could relapse again. But I think people have realized they probably don't need to go out as much so I think um, more people will stay working at home after. This lockdown has also had a really good effect on the environment. People will need to learn from it, they will need to learn that we can't carry on going out as much as we have been. We can't all keep, in, keep on going in our cars instead of going on the bus or taking a bike for example. And hopefully they will try and not go back to how we used to live and use this lockdown as a way to adapt our lives so we sort of i'm not saying that everyone will just carry on staying in lockdown because that's stupid but just sort of merge the two lives together so it does have a more positive impact on the environment and we don't just go back to where we were before the isolation started i hope kobe will look back and think oh my goodness it wasn't that bad I think Kobe will, I'd like to think he will value family time and health being, you know, two of the most important things in life, which perhaps we took for granted. I think he's really been in touch with what's going on, what communities are doing to support each other. And I think he will walk away with that, I hope, as a positive, knowing what you can do and what it means to be part of a community. Okay, so for anyone that doesn't know Robin, he is our youth theatre director. Um, three words to describe him would probably have to be definitely energetic, unstoppable and everlasting. So we have set Robin a challenge to explain what is going on across the youth theatre projects at the moment, but in 90 seconds. So, Robin, on your marks, get set. 
Hi there, Robin here, just reporting on young company projects that I've been responsible for managing over the last week. Um, it's been, been very exciting working with uh, uh, steering groups across the three projects. There's The Journey, there's Sonda and Inexpressible. The Journey is a project um, about travelling. It's about a family travelling from a place in the world to somewhere else and being forced to travel uh, because of uh, what's going on in the world. Um, the, the, the Sonda project is about escapism and monsters and about how teenagers are often depicted by society as being monsters um, and then there's inexpressible which is about feelings and how to express them and communicate these um, all of the steering groups have been working so hard to create content to engage um, with with the wider cast members and the wider groups um, getting them to participate and hopefully creatively contribute back um, into the projects we're very, very excited um, about working in this new and incredibly challenging way. Um, it's been an exhausting week, but also an incredibly exciting and inspiring week across all three projects. Um, so proud of, of the engagement of all the steering groups and hearing the feedback from all of these projects has been absolutely amazing. I'm looking forward to week two, which we're currently on. We're currently planning right now, um, and hopefully um, we'll get even more response and more feedback from people as we continue to work in this way. Signing out. Bye-bye. We are coming to the end of this pilot edition of The State of Being. Um, if you've got this far, thank you for listening. We would love your feedback on what you've heard and what you would like to hear. If you want to send any of your thoughts, you can get in touch with the details that we use to send this podcast um, and then they can be forwarded on. So, we want to end with another creative interlude, which I will hand over to Dara to introduce. Hi, my name's Dara. I'm 18 years old. I've been a part of Chicken Shed since I was five. During week two of lockdown, my mum sent me this poem and I thought I would share it. So I hope you enjoy. And people stayed home and read books and listened and rested and exercised and made art and played and learn new ways of being and stopped and listened deeper. Someone meditated, someone prayed, someone danced, someone met their shadow. And people began to think differently. People healed, and in the absence of people who lived in ignorant ways, dangerous, meaningless and heartless, even the earth began to heal. And when the danger ended and people found each other, grieved for the dead people, they made new choices and dreamed of new visions and created new ways of life and healed the earth completely just as they were healed themselves. <laughs>